When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Adulting Well listeners. This is Pepper, a.k.a. Joshua, a.k.a. Pepper, here to tell you about Anchor. So we used to host our podcast on another service, and we had this show for maybe three or four years at this point. And we got some metrics and things, but we didn't have a lot to do with them. And we recently switched over to Anchor. And what's amazing about it is it has all the metrics for the show, so you can see you know, how many downloads you get and things like that. But it it also lets you engage with the audience uh, in ways that our old service couldn't. So for instance, we can have polls, we can ask listeners to uh, leave us messages and questions and things like that. And we can uh, put them on the air super easily and answer those questions. Just, uh, that's just one example, but there are just a lot of different ways that we can um, engage with you now that we're using Anchor. So uh this is our first ad, and it's for this service that we're using to provide this podcast to you. And I think it's uh, actually a really, really good service. Um, and if you have a podcast, I recommend it. You can download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Uh, thanks for uh, pausing with me for a second. Now back to the episode. Hello and welcome to the Adulting Well Podcast. I am your co-host Joshua and I am joined as always by the amazing co-host Kevin. And we have a guest that has been a long time coming on today, Janelle Hessig, also um, among other things, Janelle Blarg, uh, writer, cartoonist, humorist, and often left off of her resume slash bio, which I do not understand, musician. Um, mm. So, Janelle, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, we're we're happy to have you. Um, this is exciting. <laughs> I was t- I was telling Joshua before when we came on and um, and paused and waited uh, that strangely through all the years of like East Bay. North Bay, Pacific Northwest involvement. I think I, I don't know if I met you in person until like 2010 when you and a big crew from the East Bay came and worked with me at Maker Fair. I think that's true. I don't even know how exactly we got in touch. Oh, I do. Okay. I do. My, my man, your man, one of my all-time favorite people, Barker, was doing side work for me. And I said, hey, Barker, please find me some people, awesome people to come work at Maker Faire. Uh, no, I got no? Barker involved. What's that? No, I got Barker involved. Oh, you did. That's right. It's the <laughs> other way around because he ended up doing a ton of work afterwards. Right. It was, um, oh, who was it? Was it Richie? Maybe. Maybe. It could have been. But there was a, <laughs> oh, you know who it might have been too? Is, uh, I don't know. There's so many people that worked for me at that thing. It's crazy. But um, <laughs> so usually we talk about uh, 
how uh, our guests got involved in the punk scene um, and kind of what that. I would like, like, you know, like because I've I've been reading Chanel's blog for so long, I would like to know, like even earlier, like just like what kind of kid you were. What kind of kid I was? Yeah. Um. Where were you? Uh, I mean, I grew up in San Pablo, so it's kind of been the same story throughout. Like I've been, like I have born and raised in the East Bay. Um, was Did your parents there. work at the San Pablo Casino? <laughs> there wasn't a San Pablo Casino when I was <laughs> coming up, unfortunately. No, they. my mom worked in Richmond, and my dad worked for the government in Alameda. And um, yeah, I don't know. Just like an East Bay kid, it's always been sort of like the same story. Yeah. Was, so, it, was punk just around growing up, though? I mean... So, um, I went to a summer camp in Humboldt County, mm. and I, there was a guy who was a counselor there who I was kind of into, and he had a punk band, strangely enough. So, there is this weird period where there was, like, Elsa Brawny is uh, sort of like a, kind of like a biker town, I guess, like a mm-hmm. sort of, like, lower income, like sort of free has a really good thrift town there but there was also at this point there was like a record store there called Irregular Records and it was down a little back alley um I guess the Night Stalker lived across the street for a minute um Richard Ramirez <laughs> Richard Ramirez and so, so crazy and so I just went to that record store and I like had a perm at the time and I didn't really know anything about punk and it was before the internet. So you just kind of had to like gather clues right. along the way. So it's like, I bought that counselor's demo tape and then I bought, um, they like, had the counselor's demo tape. Oh yeah. 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 And then I just bought like, um, just like the first records I saw that had like a skull on it. Bought, like, <laughs> Corrosion of conformity, eye for an eye, and then later I got, I got, and that was it. You were just, you were just off to the races. Yeah. Well, but you were doing artwork prior to this, right? Like you were very like interested in, you were drawing and and doing your own kind of stuff at home. Uh, well, I've been drawing my whole life. Yeah. So when I discovered punk, that was probably like 1987. I want to say like somewhere around there. And I was nice. in junior high school. Um, and so, yeah, I was drawing, but I think the first fanzine I saw was probably absolutely Zippo. <laughs> Makes mm. sense. Especially he, living in the East Bay. Well, he lived across the street from my junior high. Oh, my God. That's <laughs> amazing. So so you're in Humboldt. Humboldt actually had a pretty thriving scene at that time, amazingly enough, because that's where, like, the guys from Nuisance were down from. And, One Man and, Running. One Man Running and Grimple and those uh-huh. all those bands kind of started up really soon, like probably in like the late eighties, early nineties. I mean, then you know there was like the whole uh, who else was up there, um, Mr. Bungle and all those guys. So they actually had a they had a good metal scene, especially. But then they Mr. Had a, Bungle is from uh, Humboldt County. Yeah, they are. Oh, I didn't know that. So, I mean, what kind of a fortuitous place to go to summer camp um, if you were yeah. going to find punk. 
So like what kind of merged the two for you? Because you've been drawing your whole life, then you kind of fall into this, you know, like, you know, kind of amazing, you know, chain of events that gets you into, into punk rock music. And, and then, you know, you, you pretty, I mean, it seems to me from just reading and kind of knowing your, that your history that you got into doing zines pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. So, um, so I, I had been doing comics and stuff since I was a little kid and then I discovered absolutely Zippo. And then I think that that was like my first introduction. And there was, I went to Gilman street and I saw other zines when I went there, there was Wagyl Mac. Um, mm-hmm if you remember that one yeah. and there was word burger, if you remember that one, I absolutely remember. Word and, then, <laughs> and then there was also like Comet bus and Maxim rock and roll. Yeah. And so I was like in, um, I guess like the first semester of 10th grade in crafts class, I just like asked if I could do a fanzine for my assignment. And so that's just when it started. And like when I started like sharing sharing like my artwork um more publicly and kind of using it as a way to like connect with other people and just like kind of be like a part of this whole thing that was exciting to me um where i like found that i could like have like a creative outlet and a voice and like were you making them by hand at that when you started like every copy yeah you mean opposed to a computer? No, 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 no. I mean, when did you start making them in mass at Kinko's or wherever? Oh, no. That, that was happen? that was at Kinko's. So it's like I put it together like cut and paste style. Yeah. And it was like really janky. Like I cut out stuff from like Sassy Magazine and like, I don't know, probably like the TV Guide or something. Like wherever I could find like leftover magazines. And that was like the background um but then i like had already met people who worked at kinko's and so i was able to print it so the first one was like 1990 um and i already knew like eggplant and this guy named david mccord um who was in the band quick way for a time Um, and they all worked at coffee shops in berkeley so i would just like cut school go to berkeley make some copies usually with my friend Holly. Nice. Well, it's, it's so funny. Cause it's like everybody, any, any sort of smaller town has a, had, at the time had a Kinko's, right. I mean, small or big. And there was always somebody, right. There was always some punk kid working there late night that would hand you one of those counters for your own. Like, here you yeah. go. We'd have like, uh, <laughs> what, we would, what we would do is we would have one person go in and make like a shit ton of copies with the counter. And then another person would go in and next to them start making copies, but make like five copies. Right. Flip the new copies into their backpack and then have someone go up with just like the five copies and pay for that while the other person leaves. I've been thinking a lot about how funny it is, like the lengths we would go for like a stamp. Mm -hmm. Like when I think about like soaking stamps, so you would like go and like soak stamps and like It doesn't work. Or sometimes it would, but even if it did, it's like you just invested like 24 hours for like, <laughs> like, like you know, for, for that time, like a 13 cent stamp yeah, or like 19 cent stamp, stamp yeah. or whatever. That's the difference between having an income or not because you have a choice of yeah. time or money. But we didn't, it wasn't like we could make 35 cents happen, 
you know, I mean, like, you could spare change that probably. That's true. <laughs> like, like it was just like <laughs> the, the investment, just like the time investment we used in, in these scams was like, but, is like really funny to me when I but look they back all at had, it. They all had such a genius DIY sort of bent, right? Like everything was like to kind of create and do ourselves so that we didn't have to rely on anybody, you know, which mm-hmm. I think is genius and i for me you know we it taught me a lot about how to like do things when i got older like fuck i mean i don't know how i would be able to do an event at the at my current business without having put on shows you know as a 19 or 20 year old you know so i mean like the the scams were 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 hard like kind of hard the hard way around but i mean i feel like like the patience and all the diy kind of ethos that went into it really taught us like an amazing amount about just like doing things in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I read, which I didn't know, and I think is interesting, especially for someone. And, you know, I, I don't think there's any, I know you're, you know, you tend to be humble about your work, but you're incredibly pro- prolific. I mean, you've, you've put out a lot of work over the years and is that you're, what I read about your family is there wasn't a lot of like art, wasn't a big thing at home for you. Like, where did that inspiration come from? kind of especially as a child like it just seems like it was such a natural thing for you to to gravitate towards drawing and and artwork but it wasn't like a given thing at at your house necessarily yeah I mean there was certainly like a creative element at my house um but it just wasn't like didn't take like a traditional form like my dad's really into like sci-fi um my you know everyone like read a lot my dad would take me to like the drugstore and I would buy mad magazine and I was really into Howard, the duck, the comic. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) Why not? And so I think probably that was like the early, early influence was stuff like that. And just like, you know, it's kind of all tied together. If your dad was sci-fi and stuff, it's like, it all kind of, yeah, it does come from the same seed, you know? And also just being like kind of an an outsider. Like I don't want to say too much about it, but just like just being kind of like weird. Yeah, different <laughs> just, than the other kids. Just being like you just like kind of make up your own world. Yeah, which is like kind of what he did is he had his own little world. That's that wasn't like typical. Yeah. Well, I I just think it's you know um, my parents certainly had music in the house, but like. I think they were a little surprised at my complete and utter obsession, you know, on, on music and politics. And, you know, I mean, we definitely had lively discussions and, you know, it was, but def, I mean, I will say that I'm far more like an extreme fan and a, you know, and an extreme sort of activist than they, than they were um, when I was younger, especially, I think that they've, grown into some of that actually my dad's like retired but he volunteers and he's like really into like community stuff now which is awesome but it was I kind of I feel like I kind of had to find my own way a little bit around sort of the more political side of punk early on and you know just kind of I I try to do at least a little bit of research no matter how well I know somebody before they come on the show and I just found it interesting that like that that those were the influences it makes sense yet because you also have such a unique style and you're drawing that um you know obviously has been developed over the years it's it's just always interesting I was gonna to ask a little about that actually yeah and i would like to hear more about how it developed. style is 
yeah it's so well defined <laughs> and it almost feels like old timey to me like it feels like uh what's that guy's name of the duck crumb a little bit uh-huh. um, but it's it's a style that is very well defined when you see it you go oh you know exactly you know janelle drew that did that evolve or did it just come out fully formed um i mean when you look at older stuff like you know it's definitely like blarg bc like you can tell that that there's like some like uh like old simpsons or something where everything is a little yeah you know like it's evolved over time like i hope like you hope that you practice and you practice and that you get a little bit better Mm -hmm. and things get a little more refined like i wouldn't say that my artwork is refined and there's certainly things that i could still work on for instance if there's something that i'm just like not that interested in drawing i just Mm -hmm will not draw it <laughs> I'll be like, or I'll just like I won't like give it like my best shot I'll just be like nobody cares about this fucking car in the background I'm just gonna draw this little like <laughs> fucking box with a couple of circles on it <laughs> call it a day <laughs> but in terms of like expression like I'm really into people's expression and that's something I've worked on a lot it's just right. like, kind of like capturing emotion kind of gross yeah I think like early on um a lot of times when I would draw it would be like I like wrote a lot of letters. I was like a very like prolific pen pal. Mm-hmm. And so I would be trying to like make a point or tell a story. And so I would use like art as a way to like help like tell a story sometimes. Right, right. Man, um, I, I kind of miss that. Like, it's funny you mentioned that the pen pal thing. I feel like like the punk pal stuff, especially in like that time frame where like all of the like the first kind of wave of Gilman street was happening that first thing, right? It was great. Yeah. I mean, and that's so interesting because now when I'm thinking about reading your comics, I'm like, Oh my God, these do read like a, almost like a pen pal letter to some degree. Like you're telling a story to somebody, you know, well, cause they're, that's the other part of it is they're very honest. Like, you know, like. They are stories too. They are. Yeah, they are. They are. Which is cool. You don't and this is, I mean, I got to be honest, like, this is part of the reason I like doing the show because I'm like, then I get to connect these dots. I'm like, oh my God, that's that's why that her writing is so familiar to me. Like, it's very much like writing back and forth with somebody that I love hearing about their little local scene, you know? Yeah. It was great if you didn't live in the East Bay and, and kind of had to live vicariously through, through things. Um, to have those stories was really cool. Yeah, Where did you grow up, Josh? Santa Rosa. Oh, oh that's right. I came. I Santa actually. Rosa kids. You gave me my first tour of Berkeley. I was like 18. It was 92. And I had hitchhiked up there with my friend Dave. And oh. my band ended up like jumping on stage at Gilman or something and, and playing. And the next day, I don't know. Somehow we walked and we ended up at your house. And you had the cassette from when my band played Gilman. Was what like, was your band again? Milk Fat. No one's heard. Like <laughs> the only time, there was no band. Anyone? You just had a random like. We knew you up there. You had been recording that night anyway, and I think we jumped on. But it was such a coincidence, and you were so gracious. You didn't know us, and you're like, "Here's Telegraph, and here's this." It was really cool. I love doing that stuff. I still do. No one ever comes to visit me anymore. So <laughs> if anyone, if anyone comes to town, it's funny. Well, yeah, things that I like always like wanted like to be able to do for people like we have like an extra room in my house 
Um, only one person has stayed in it. We've lived That's here crazy. for like a year and a half. I can relate <laughs> to that. And no, can't. Decorate as if there's an audience that's there like all the time. Like people are going to be seeing the inside all the time. Well, not anymore. Like not since we've been like sheltering in place. Like yeah. we kind of just like let ourselves go a little bit. <laughs> how's that? How's it going over there for you? Um, you know, it's weird. There's like ups and downs. Like sometimes I feel like really well suited for this. Like like how punk trained us to be resourceful, like you were right. saying earlier with like being like with scams and everything. Like I feel like being an artist kind of trained me for like sheltering in place where it's like, yeah, of course I'm spending days by myself, like just working, like, <laughs> like that's what I do. But it's, but it's like, I have to say that it's been a little bit more difficult than I thought it would be. Well, it's a different feeling when it's more forced, right? Than it is. Yeah. Like, like mandatory versus yeah. voluntary. I kind of find myself desiring the, the solitude when it's not on purpose to some degree, but like I'm, as Joshua was saying before, before he came on, like Kevin networker, like I, you know, I love meeting new people and like, you know, kind of being out and about it, This has been really good for me to kind of, you know, slow down and reflect a little bit on my own sort of, pace um but it's also hard because i want to be playing music and i i just got a new project going finally like we were playing our first shows and you know it's been it's been an interesting few months but um i'm also closer to my family than i probably have ever been either so now there's that how's your how's your dog by the way i know you were out walking (laughs) my dog's cool he's like definitely the mvp of of the whole being quarantined thing um yeah, he's cool. He's like a little rescue dog. Yeah. He's like always happy. <laughs> How did you end up involved with KQED? Um, so I had a really great job at Last Gasp. And Last Gasp is like a publisher. This is their 50th year, actually. Um, so they've been around forever. Like Ron Turner started it in like 1970. Um, and they published underground comics at the time and they just sort of like evolved into just publishing art books and just kind of like subversive books in general. Um, and I was the marketing director there and it was like really just like a dream job, like so fun. Um, but print publishing is like not what it used to be. And they had to stop doing like distribution and they like, I got downsized in the end. And so I was looking for something new that was like kind of in marketing because that's what I've been doing. And I sort of am good at it, I guess. And then like, I also have, um, I went to school for film and animation. So a friend of mine told me about a job at KQED working on these programs that were film related. One was a documentary program and the other one was, um for it's called film school shorts and it's like these like narrative films from film students basically and so they needed a marketing person a social media person and so i just oh to promote their films for kqed right to work on these two shows that's amazing i love kqed not gonna lie (laughs) 
Me too. A lot of people do. People big fan, big donor. I've been on. I've been on uh, on um, forum and. Kevin, did you get the tour? Did we talk about that already? Yeah, Gabe has walked me around over there. <laughs> I got the Gabe tour too. And... Oh my god, I almost cried. I was just like, this is so awesome. Yeah. Now Gabe it's all was... now it's all being rebuilt though, right? Aren't they remodeling the entire building? Oh my god! Yeah. Can you imagine, Janelle, if you and Gabe had a tourist like a tourist uh, company where you guys gave walking tours of cities? <laughs> oh my god! Because fucking Gabe is like just like, yeah. like he loves it and he's all like and this building was made in 1824 yeah. Mary <laughs> you know he's got like a whole thing i i think i i think i probably make more shit up than gabe does <laughs> like, like if things aren't going well i'll just be like yeah this like ups store this is where like the kennedys played their first show <laughs> like a total lie <laughs> we should clarify too we're talking about gabe moline the kqed arts uh editor arts and friend of the show he's friend of the show <laughs> been on the show friend of all of us um santa rosa native as well uh so yeah i think I, actually now i'm like hmm i wonder if i could come up with a little money to create the the janelle gabe tour, tours <laughs> oh it'd be so good holy shit he knows more about the building that that social imprints is in now than i do <laughs> That's the one that Coffee TV Dance Party. Yeah, made, exactly. Right? And he's like, he's yeah. like, he was so like wide eyed when he came in there. He's like looking around, trying to find any nook and cranny of anything. Like, just a totally, totally loves the history of you know such things in the Bay Area. And it's a, it's just, it's fun. It's you know probably the way that you feel about KQED is how I feel about Coffee TV Dance Party. Yeah, <laughs> so. Like, the most fun like it's been a great show. subject actually and we had walter on the first season like he was one of our first guests and we didn't we hadn't even moved in there yet and he was talking about dance party he was on it and got thrown off for slam dance oh yeah that's uh, right. so walter, um, uh, Gla- walter Glasser. So, um, yeah, I just think it's, it's such a great building. It's like, we find little things from time to time when we're like looking in like these old storage closets and like all of a sudden we'll find like a, a big sign, you know, <laughs> or a sticker set, you know, dance party yeah. sticker set. But, um, did you watch dance party as a kid growing up in the Bay Area? Oh, hell yes. <laughs> yeah. Like coffee TV 20 and then KTVU channel two. So channel two was amazing because they had um that horse puppet and the bulldog puppet so it was like oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Uh, 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 i heard a bees are chasing me yeah it was like charlie and humphrey and something i found out about um humphrey the bulldog he like wore this little like raider sweatshirt right it turns out that sunny barger from the hell's angels had donated that to pat mccormick because he was like a big fan Oh my god. Doesn't the dog say like something like uh stealing is borrowing without asking? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> something like that. Oh my god. I remember that so, so amazing. So you were so last gasp. I mean, there's a lot that I'd like to like kind of kind of unpack from the last, the last few minutes of the show. Um first and foremost, when I mean, there's definitely like been throughout your um your career of doing your art and the, you know, whether it's, um, you know, your earliest stuff, uh, I believe was a collaboration with, uh, with somebody you live with. Cause you said actually the word janky, didn't you guys have a zine called jank or 
Oh, so the first fanzine I did was Tales of Blarg. Right. And then in the kind of like mid to late 90s, I lived in a house in Berkeley with um, my friends Fawn and Gabby and also right. like my newer friend Jeff. And so we all started a house fanzine called jank right where we would do like house guest reviews <laughs> so <laughs> amazing review people who stayed with us and we would kind of just do comics about the land hey, can we can we talk about that so like what was the review <laughs> obviously like, <laughs> do the dishes was one you know there was like some dude who left a bunch of non-alcoholic beer in the fridge oh and we sort of just capped on him and then there was like but then there was like dishwasher pete who like um we had moved, me and Fawn and Gabby had lived together before and lived in this studio apartment harmoniously somehow. Like they're just like the best people, but we were all kind of gross. And so when we moved, we like took the dirty dishes out of the sink, put them in a box and oh put them to the new house. Oh my God. And dishwasher Pete stayed with us and he found the box and was just like, <laughs> Just a box of dirty dishes. Yeah, it was just like horrified and then washed them for us. So he got a really great review. Oh my God. (laughs) He would have got one anyways. Yeah, I I remember like when when bands came through Sonoma County, they often stayed with me. And I just remember thinking like I had heard this sort of like, I didn't even know. And I mentioned on the show before, but this like sort of like the difference between bands that party and bands like Fugazi, you know, like bands that party basically sleep in until noon and then bail without helping. And you wake up to being made breakfast and, and having your dishes done by Fugazi, Yeah, you know, and like, it just was, it's so funny to think about because we, I mean, I know touring, especially like we stayed in some really amazing places. And then obviously, you know, you get to certain cities and you're you end up in sort of like you know a really really bad apartment situation or you know i mean there were some spots that i was like i mean you know i mean we stayed in some squats too and you know it just happens you know when you're on tour but it's it's really uh i mean it it was amazing like the difference between certain bands that would tour through and i'd love that that you you reviewed your house guests (laughs) you know it's so amazing. It's just like so. I I actually now I want to revisit that zine. Um, but I want talk about to be. I want that to be a show that I can watch. Where totally. I, <laughs> I want to go on it because I think I would crush it. Yeah. <laughs> in I terms know, of I... being a good house guest. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. In terms I'll of my, people. I'll fold up that extra <laughs> blanket, put it right there on the couch. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god. We yeah, oh, like that was like a big thing. I think especially when I was like one of the bands I was in where we would like, we would, to- we were totally like cooking dinner for the household or breakfast and like cleaning up after ourselves. It was like, yeah, it was actually like part of the, part of the deal to tour. Right. And, uh, cause I just had so many bad house guests over the years, yeah. but that's awesome. that dishwasher Pete was the one that discovered the, uh, the- <laughs> Dare I ask if the name came before or after washing your dishes? Oh, way oh, before. Way before. Yeah, way he had before. a he had yeah. a he had dishwasher magazine. He was he was doing a zine um, long before that. And uh, in fact, uh, he, he he there's some great stories. Look him up, Joshua, and and I'll just enjoy. Punkopedia. 
and no, you don't even need to do that. Just Google him and, and just enjoy the what what you find. So his people. whole thing was that he had a fanzine about washing dishes and he wanted oh, to wash dishes in all 50 yeah, states. I yep. read that. Yes, yes, yes. I know yeah. now. It's, yeah. And it was a great zine. I mean, it was, he had some great stories. In That's there. who you want washing your dishes. That guy. Yeah. 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 Well, and I, I mean, having worked in restaurants and, and bakeries at that time, it was like so fun to get that perspective. Mm. I mean, it I'd just, say I washed dishes for a time. <laughs> in Portland and in Santa Rosa and I loved it I found it yeah. very meditative and just my I could just be in my head basically for four hours I, when I was a prep cook I used to let the dishwashers go home early and I would just finish up for them it was awesome it's very very it is very meditative so um Tales of Blarg yes I actually knew that was your first scene I, I think I was more um going towards the like the collaborations and things that you've done because there's you know, and I've read about it in other interviews as well, but there's, you've done a lot of stuff with a lot of different artists over the years. That's really turned out quite amazingly. I mean, you've right. had like a pretty good, pretty good luck with the people you choose to work with. Do you think that's because you're already friends with them or because there's just some kind of creative spark there? Um, it's mostly one of those things, like how you start bands, you know what I mean? It's just like organic. So you're like kind of hanging out and you're already friends for whatever reason. And then you're like, oh, well, let's do this thing. So Jeff was like kind of random because he wasn't really a part of the punk scene at the time. He was like more into hip hop and he lived in Fremont. And I think that he liked art and was like, for, I think we met him through Fawn. I think he like reached out to Fawn because she was an artist. Right. Um, and then he later became like the in-house artist for stone throw records so if you know like um quasimodo yep. and like jay dilla and all and all those like sort of iconic stone throw record covers like he did all of that art oh awesome oh, wow cool it's amazing so um you also have played in a few bands and i know that one of them um is scheduled to play burger boogaloo this year yeah, Panty Raid. So how oh. how did how did that reunion come about? Because you you all weren't weren't active, right? Yeah, we're not active. Um, Seth lives in L.A. and he's like been playing music all along and has like a kind of like a clothing company now and like is like doing his own thing. He's in a band called Hunks and His Punks. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if they're still being called that, but I think so. Okay. Um, but he's just like, everything he does, like, turns out really well. He's like super talented and like really entertaining and engaging sort of person. Um, my last band was Wet Spots with Barker and Oscar. And that was probably, we broke up in like 2000. 14 or probably 14 or 15 and so that was sort of the last like when I I haven't played music really since then too much but I don't know like that whole burger scene they like knew of Panty Raid from like when they were kids so I think we were like sort of a formative experience for them and That's so they so have cool. a, soft, a soft spot for us and so they just asked us to play um and like we had played in 2016, we actually played together at like one of the burger after parties. 
but um and I was surprised by like how well it went because <laughs> we didn't like me and Ian me and the bass player hang out all the time still and we had been practicing before the show but we only practiced with Seth once before we played oh wow. yeah <laughs> but it went really well it was like there is I think we only forgot one song <laughs> When but is, I don't. I don't think great. that's. I mean, I that's amazing. Do you think that's going to happen though? I what don't know. If there's going to be shows it's this year. Rescheduled for October now. Yeah, it's rescheduled for Halloween, but mm, I don't know, you guys. John yeah, Waters there this year. Yeah. Um, I would assume he's, he's scheduled. Yeah, he's scheduled I, to host it again. I watched it last year through a fence, and it was awesome. I already had VIP tickets because there's no way I'm not having my 11 year old see bikini kill if they're playing this close by yeah she's well, gonna we'll... lose her mind i mean she's like so, oh so pumped I oh man know. i hope it's going on i want to go to that yeah i mean i don't what <laughs> how <laughs> i know definitely not that big i you know i'm like my band's scheduled to play at cornerstone in november with built to spill and i doubt that's even happening that's only a 600 cap yeah, I mean, I just don't there's, not a, there's not a vaccine, and yeah. that's like the beginning of flu season anyways. It's yeah. like October, like there's going to be a second wave. I just don't have a lot of like, mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of faith that 2020 is going to happen. Why don't we do the rest of the podcast as if there's no... <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I just wanted to hear about Jan- Janelle playing music again. I was just excited for my own personal self because I'm like, I know. I started, to take, I started to take us down a dark path, but I'm yeah. just keeping it real, you guys. I know. There's not going to be a 2020. Let's pretend yeah. it's all normal. Burger is going to be awesome. I can't wait. Okay. <laughs> so it's moved to October. It's going to be a good time. Not a problem. Oh. And uh, yeah. And yeah, everything's back to normal now, and that's great. <laughs> yeah, I God, you know, it was it's, it was more of like a personal plea to the universe, I think. <laughs> well, it's like, so, it's such a cool thing, and there is like some people who are like kind of down on that festival for various reasons. Well, I think but it's amazing. to me, like growing up, like, did you ever imagine that fucking John Waters would be, no, like, in the no. park up the street from your house? No. Like, like, My wife was born in Oakland, and it blows her mind. That that's Hanging cool. out, yeah, in, in Oakland at a park, hosting a punk show. You know what I mean? Like, like, I mean, yeah. how do you get any better than that? With the Stooges. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Marcos, who puts on this festival, like really makes some dreams come true. And I think he really is just like, does it because he wants people to have a good time. And I just think it's, I think it's like really cool and like really magical. And like, he listens to people's feedback. Like this year, the lineup is like a lot more queer, has a lot more women. Um, I know. It's great. I think that uh, I, I don't, I haven't even... I try not to pay attention to too much of the noise at this point because there's so much, you know, like, I mean, I feel like people find reasons to be negative about things. And yeah. I think part of the reason that, that, well, I know it wasn't even part of the reason. The reason Joshua and I started this show is because we want positivity. Like, how are you turning shitty situations into something good? Or what are you doing that's positive for the, for the community now? And that show, like everyone almost to a person that I've talked to has always been like, it's so fun. 
you know, the so only fun. festival that's like tolerable. Really. Yeah. yeah, I totally agree. It's and, the and only festival where I go and I run into all my friends who I haven't seen all year long in some cases. Yeah. And like, and you can hang out and you don't feel like your face is fucking nestled in someone's armpit. Like there's like room, room. to like hang out and yeah. just like sit in the grass and like, maybe you're not going to like all of the bands, but, yeah, but this year, this year it was like pretty high percentage yeah i know i was like i was actually super excited about both days like (laughs) there's a spot on macarthur for our audience when this happens in october uh they can line up on macarthur avenue and there's a spot where you can see where they throw all the drunk people (laughs) (laughs) and there's every five minutes ten minutes a new one gets thrown in and they just kind of stand there and wobble and dance for the rest of the show I mean, just the yeah. I mean, if you think about the the live performances of the of bands like Bikini Kill, Circle Jerks, you know, I mean, both bands I've seen before, you know, in my, my much younger days. I Alice Bag, are you kidding me? I mean, come on, like the live performances are just going to be completely over the top, mm-hmm. like. I mean, so hopefully it happens. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna pretend like it's ha- happening. Pansy Division's playing. I, I mean, I hope it does. Like it, it could. You're playing. You know, <laughs> it could. We don't know yet. I would it's love not... a festival where I had to be ten feet, six feet apart from everyone. Oh my god, that would be, that would so be amazing. Can you imagine well, if he was if, if he was out there drawing like like chalk on the ground where you could stand, and then there was like family sections, or just like individual tents for each person. <laughs> we could just bring our own like human beekeeper outfits. Oh, those giant like hamster ball things. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like the totally. bubble boy. <laughs> yeah, we could just bubble boy it. It'd be fun. Yeah, yeah it's happening. <laughs> you have anything coming up that besides that that you want to like promote or anything? Oh, um, things that I'm doing right now that I'm excited about. Um, I started writing for a pop culture website called boing boing mm-hmm. and this is sort of like yeah. they're sort of maker fair affiliated kevin like yeah. they like um maybe started that or they have some sort of affiliation with that um but i met like one of their editors mark frauenfelder when i when i was working at last gasp and we just sort of hit it off and like became friends like i really like him he, and he puts a lot of positive stuff into the world yep and just like kind of like focuses on curiosity and wonder and just like i just like really like what he's about and so he just asked me like i pitched him something to help a friend and then he's like do you want to just start writing for the site yourself i was like oh all right that sounds awesome and that's been like a great outlet for me um that's awesome. I feel like I'm working all the time, and so it's nice. That website's to have... cool. I just took a look at it. That website's cool. It's it's rad. It's cool, yeah. and it's like the deadlines really work for me because it's like, yeah, just put up something whenever you want to. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so that's been really great and gratifying. Um, so if you want to see any recent writing I've done, like that's a nice place to go. And then. Um, Oh, I'm putting out a comic book with a publisher called Silver Sprocket. Yep, I know. And it's I know, like I'll a be... little bit different than other things that I've done. It's not autobiographical, but I like takes stories from 
things that have happened to me that I didn't know, like really what to do with them, like kind of old punk stories. Nice. And so it's going to be a series and it's called big punk. The first issue is out and it's about, um, that sounds autobiographical. (laughs) Well, it's like, uh, this half Bigfoot, half punk character (laughs) who like lives in like sort of like a podunk town. Um, so look for that from Silver Sprocket. I'm working on the second issue now. How's Avi doing with all this stuff? Because I know that they had opened the store on Hate Street. Well, they opened that store on Hate Street, and that was something where he just worked out some deal with the landlord where he didn't really have a lease. Oh, that's awesome. But ended up staying for two years. Yep. But now he's at one, two, three, four go on Valencia. Okay. And he had just moved into that space right before this happened like we were Isn't gonna the have the same guy that puts out records the same yeah yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 he put out the the, the he put out a ton of stuff i mean just like mm-hmm. so much stuff like yeah and he's he used to do shows at his house on valencia street it right makes across me so happy to hear he's still out there doing that yeah yeah well he's mostly just a comics publisher now and he does really well like he really has like a very specific audience for his comics mm-hmm. um well uh, yeah so i think he's doing well still like i don't i don't know i mean obviously most of his sales were retail i think so maybe right. he's having to like rethink stuff but i'm not really worried about him because he's so smart he's like he's really smart really smart. like business savvy yeah. and he like really like develops like a lot of like relationships i love those punk business kids that show up you know once in a while he's a fucking punk business kid man he's like for sure really good at it well and he Uh, monitors like his he he watches out for his artists because i know he had that huge thing with Redbubble around one of their designs and he just relentless like he went down there and he you know wasn't even it didn't even he's like look this isn't even about me this is just about protecting my artists you know and it's just so like there's that's so, so punk. I mean, it's just like and it's r- rare to find an advocate like that too. Yeah, especially a publisher, right? Like, yeah. You know, I mean, that's it's not really like you know they'll protect the things that are sort of them involved to some degree when they you know mostly what's convenient, I guess. But like he like really goes to the mat on this stuff and like really protects his artists and stuff that maybe he doesn't even own, just that he's you know, licensing from them. All right, let's get him on the phone. He's amazing. (laughs) We should have Avi on the show. So um, he's a great guy. Um, But that's awesome. So you're, you, you've got, I mean, those are, I just actually, while we were talking, ordered the the book from him, (laughs) the first, the first edition. Um, But I I think it's, I think it's just great that you're continuing. That's the thing. Like, so what kind of keeps you motivated in all this? Like we've got all this stuff going on in the world, you know, and, like, how do you continue to, to like, I've heard, especially people that focus on, you know, uh, comedy and humor, it's been, there's, it's been difficult. I mean. Yeah. Um, I think some of it is for just ha- sort of having like a straight job now, you yeah. know what I mean? Like an office job. And it's like, you sort of feel like your voice is compromised to some degree. So whereas before I was like making art, I think it was more as like a way to like connect with people and sort of like get this stuff out of me that was inside of me. 
Mm-hmm. And like now it like also feels like a lot of it is like about like self-preservation okay. and about sort of like preserving like my own voice. It's like saving myself from fucking speaking in like office vernacular like right. 90% right. of my fucking days. So it just like destroys my soul. <laughs> but That's it's so also I'm, great, I'm grateful to have a job. I'm super grateful. Like is there a bit of self-loathing in there? Like because I, rem- I was briefly in a punk rock band with Kevin uh, last year. <laughs> and, uh, and I was trying to write punk lyrics for the first time in like a decade. And I was like, what am I? All the songs were about how much I hated myself. And, like, <laughs> having a job, my job. And like that I was like basically a stereotype of like a dot-commer guy and like all this shit. Like, yeah, a little bit. Or like a little bit, like I feel like I'm doing a disservice to myself. Right. It's like a human being, but I also like I, you know, like you, I. You're so I down on yourself though, because not. I'm just hearing a person just like that's so prolific in in both vocation and art right now that it's amazing. Well, thank I appreciate that. I try really hard. Um, there's always going to be something that falls to the wayside, right? Yeah. Well, and you know, and and in all honesty, like I wanted to have you, I've wanted to have you on the show for well over a year now. But I'm glad that we waited until you felt like your head was cleared of you know yeah. the, the down stuff. I mean, how? Yeah. And do you mind talking about like how you're feeling and sort of you know health wise? Is is that? Can we talk uh, about that? Or? So I went through cancer treatment, and that was 2017. So it's been a while. Yep. Um, the thing about it is like, there's usually stuff that like continues to happen. So it's like, you go through cancer treatment, everybody's like, yay, you beat it. But it's like, that's not the actual story. (laughs) Like the actual story is like stuff keeps happening to you. So it's like, like if you're asking for honesty, it's like rough sometimes but I also feel like very lucky like I like really like um was super fortunate with how things went down I got to keep my titties which is nice but it would have been fine if I didn't but you know I was glad that I did just for psychological reasons for me it's Um, hard to kind of wrestle with uh the dichotomy of like being grateful and also be like allowing yourself to be like whoa this sucks you know uh same time. Well, it sucks. It really sucks. Yeah, Getting older no, my, is a fucking drag, man. My ex-wife <laughs> went through went had breast cancer and we were together during her treatment and I can honestly say that it like during treatment her personality completely changed. It was really hard on her and I know from just walking through her with her through it that you know she's always a little on guard now like i you know and there's just there's sort of a psychological effect of like having gone through such a life-changing event and a life-threatening event that you just not like your your psyche is just altered a little bit permanently and you know i just want like you know obviously we we had some back and forth during all of it and i you know i know you had a lot of support which is totally amazing and you know, people really came out for her as well. And just like out of the woodwork, like I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> well, it's like one of those cool, that's the cool thing about like any tough times is that you learn like who your friends are. Yeah. And it's like, you learn like 
you know, there are some people that probably didn't need to be in my life. And that was like a good way to like sort of purge them. Yeah. And then at the same time, there's like a lot of people where it's like a lot of like ex-boyfriends and stuff that, that I was like, oh, I thought that we like had decided we didn't give a shit about each other. Yeah. <laughs> like, I thought this was established, but here you are like really showing up and like going out of going out of your way for me. And it yeah. just like sort of like changed like how I feel about those people. You know what I mean? It's right. like there's, yeah. there's yeah, yeah. those people who I like really like well, um, really moved up in the ranks. Well, and we'll people, <laughs> you're like that thing, like people, when you have crisis in your life, either dig fucking deep and really come through or they kind of bail. Like there's not a whole lot of middle ground, you know, yeah. it's like, it's like you're either there or you're not. And, you know, I, like I've definitely been through it. I, you know, and, and I just like being sort of the primary care person for somebody going through treatment, especially as like aggressive as her treatment was, I just, you know, like more than anything, I guess part of the reason I wanted to bring it up is like, I, I know it's hard on the person going through it. I've watched it and, you know, like kudos to you for like, like knowing yourself well enough that you weren't ready to like have a conversation that you felt like was going to be something you wanted to be recorded at the time when I first asked. And, you know, I mean, I'm just, I'm super stoked that health wise for the most part, you're really well right now. And I totally know what you're talking about with the stuff that comes up though. And it's, it's, it can get really weird and sort of like scary because your body just reacts different to stuff after all that. It just, you just get 10 years older and like, three months yeah. you know what I mean and it sucks yeah it's a lot it is a lot but you know I'm glad you're willing to talk about it too I didn't I was kind of lightly treading on it because I didn't want you to feel uncomfortable either but no I'm know. I appreciate that I'm fine talking about it I it, it's talked such, about it's, it before it's like the kind of the reason I wanted to hear if you were willing to talk about it too is because your honesty about it like you're like hey look like yeah out of the woods but not nothing is ever perfect again like I, yeah you yeah, know no, I think that's a fair totally fair assessment you know and yeah and, and it also is something that I feel like a little conflicted about because I made a lot of jokes through it and like yeah. had a lot of like funny like pictures and stuff that I would post and just like kept it kind of funny because that's like how I like deal with stuff but I also like sometimes when people bring that up I also like wonder if it's like sort of doing like a disservice to people who are going through it who are like like oh I really like appreciated how you handled it like I think it comes across as coping you know I think it's like yeah I just like want people to know that it actually does suck and even and and however you like deal with it like if it's through humor or not like it's like valid you I, know yeah. I mean? cancer you either have been through it yourself or with someone or not and if you have like you know the deal you know what i mean and if you haven't you just don't know the deal totally yeah but i i you know i commend you on the humor too i think you know part of what it's the best saved me from going crazy was we were able to joke about it around the house a bit and like have friends that would call and, and lighten the fucking mood because it could get so dark you know like because it's it's just it's almost like unfathomable what it does to the person's body that's going through it it's like really especially chemo is like so crazy it's like yeah, well you're poisoning yourself yeah. you're just like <laughs> it's the poison infusion repeatedly and on purpose right yeah 
Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. And no but, matter how punk you are, like when your hair falls out, it fucking sucks. Yeah. Like it's weird. Thanks for listening to the Adulting World podcast. Welcome <laughs> 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 taking it down a dark path. No, but I mean that. But the <laughs> Josh was going to do the Darth Vader uh, uh, effect on his voice in a second here. But no, I like I, I do appreciate your honesty about it. And I like the fact that you're like you're you're like so be like the the new projects that you're working on look so cool like i'm so i just like pulled up your articles too on on um on the website because i just wanted to see like what's going on on boing boing and i do know who these people are they definitely were involved with maker for sure yeah i mean like these are like these guys these these men and women that are running this thing are like we're probably in the tent doing experiments in front of everybody you know um, just really cool stuff. So, um, but really I'm, I'm super happy that you're, that you're putting stuff out. I'm, I, like I said, I just ordered the first, the first, uh, the first, uh, issue of your, of your new, new stuff with silver sprocket. And I recommend to people that they do. Um, is there anything else you're working on that before we, before we wrap up, I feel like this hour has just flown by. No, I think that's it. All right. Well, we definitely appreciate the time. I, as, as always, I do a little housekeeping at the end, like a little admin stuff. We're supporting um, Hospitality House in San Francisco, which um, is an amazing organization that um, works with people like frontline individuals that are having mental health issues and uh, issues with substance abuse and um, are without homes um, in San Francisco donating all our patreon money to that cause this year and encourage people to go on and give them money as well they've been around for i think um almost 50 years and they do uh peer-to-peer counseling and art therapy as well as music therapy for their for their uh for their clients and it's just a really small wonderful organization um that a lot of my art friends uh donate their work to so that they can do a cool auction every year um, and then if you can review us on, uh, any of the platforms, we appreciate it. We're, we need some more reviews. So we've got a good rating, but not a lot of reviews. So, um, find us on, you know, podcasts everywhere and Janelle, just an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It was oh a lot of God, fun. It was so nice to laugh. <laughs> and, um, Josh so uh, for coming on everybody. Uh, and, uh, don't forget to say hi to us at Burger Boogaloo in October. <laughs> A respectable dif- distance. Say hi to us. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>